Chapter 2 Jack Lasser, Arlington, Virginia It was a beautiful morning in Arlington, Virginia. Jack Lasser felt the rock salt on the sidewalk crunch under his sneakers as he walked to his new office, for the first time not worrying about hitting a patch of ice. Early spring weather in the D.C. area was bipolar at best cold and gray, only to burst unexpectedly into a frivolous purple-blue sky that microwaved clothing and inspired exposed flesh to cook up extra vitamin D. Having grown up in South Florida and recently calling Las Vegas home, the change of season fascinated him, and on a day like today, he was beginning to understand why people would endure such a nasty, cold, gray winter just to taste a true spring day. Downtown Arlington is located outside the D.C. Beltway and home to benign structures, nondescript, tall, brownish buildings that housed everything from corporate offices, government agencies, hotels, and condominiums. Making his way past each building, he understood why the clandestine group with whom he was now associated chose the area for their primary operations center. With all of the private buildings that shared the same monolithic facades, the secret branch of the Department of Agriculture was effectively hidden in plain sight. He bounded up the stairs to one such building and put his arm next to a small black sensor on the door, located at bicep level, then punched in a code on the keypad. The act of entering numbers on the keypad was pure theater since it didn't do anything other than make chirping sounds and light up. The small sensor on the side of the door was what granted Jack entrance into the building. Thanks to a small microchip implanted under his skin and slightly above the elbow of his right arm. He made it into the small vestibule where a large windowless door made out of what looked like the hull of a battleship stood guard further denying entry. It was painted a light cream color to make it look slightly less imposing, which didn't work. He stared into the retinal scanner located on the wall and heard the familiar click of the large door granting him access into one of the most truly bizarre operations in the world. Colonel Nathan Rhodes sat at his desk. Technically, he was employed by the Department of Agriculture, but certainly not under his real name. Officially, he was dead, listed as killed in action in Iraq. Fuck, days like today, I really wish I was dead, he thought, sifting through a large stack of paperwork on his desk while listening to bluegrass music, music that reminded him of his Kentucky youth. He saw Jack Glasser walk by his office. What the hell are you doing here? He shouted over the music with a wry smile. Thought you were taking a few days. Jack stood in Rhodes' doorway and wadded his face. That music, Jack said with air quotes, could make an aspirin nervous, referring to the banjo solo that was one decibel away from making his ears bleed. Shit, you younger kids don't know anything about real music, Rhodes said rubbing the gray stubble on his head and slowly getting up to quiet the musical racket. So, you here to check on Miss Green? Rhodes asked. Serena Green was in a hospital room of sorts located within the immense building, 
one that belonged to Rhodes's clandestine branch of the Department of Agriculture. With the exception of the President of the United States and his hand-picked Secretary of Agriculture, no one up the food chain actually knew the secret operation existed. Yeah, Jack said, nodding. Any change? he asked, referring to Serena's condition, which was comatose. Rhodes shook his head. No, still no change, he said. How much longer do you think this coma thing's going to last? He asked, not only because Jack had the equivalent of an M.D. degree in his head, but also because he and his brother Luke had been in a coma for a year as kids. No clue, Jack replied. The induced coma she was put in so her body would heal, well, she's been off those meds for a month. Her body and mind must have other plans. Must need more time to finish healing and processing, he said, a bit unsure if that was actually the case. Her brain scans are good, so that's good news. Apparently, she just needs more time. Well, hell, Rhodes said absently, staring at the ceiling. Don't we all? Jack walked down the hall leading to the medical ward, which was actually just two rooms outfitted with all the gadgetry one would expect to find in a high-end hospital suite. It was the same ward and the same room that Luke had been placed in when he almost died from complications due to a Frankenstein virus, one that was concocted by an organization member. Since the department and operation that Jack was part of didn't officially exist, having their own medical facilities made sense in the event that someone was injured on the job. Having an operative spill their guts under sedation wouldn't play well for Ag if someone other than a priest heard it. Having a secure and discreet hospital of sorts had certainly helped in Luke's case. Jack walked through the large open area where two of his new co-workers pored over the now infamous files, which were the only evidence that proved the organization actually existed. Unfortunately, the information contained in those files was sketchy at best. However, the story of how those files came into their possession was known to all within his secret section of Ag. Fifteen years prior, while walking the outskirts of the Green Zone in Iraq, Colonel Nathan Rhodes and his then attache, Major Terrence Washington, the now current President of the United States, were almost hit by a rocket-propelled grenade. Luckily, they ducked in time to avoid being blasted to pieces. However, the house behind them was the recipient of a large smoking hole. While investigating the blast to make sure that there were no casualties, Rhodes and Washington found the house empty, with the exception of scattered and charred paperwork, but quickly realized that the house was actually an operations center of sorts. It didn't take long for them to realize that what they had found were parallel plans tied to military operations focused on corporate rebuilding efforts. It was obvious to them they weren't supposed to see any of it, evidence that some unknown group was pulling some serious operational strings, directing shit to be blown up for no other reason than to secure large government rebuilding contracts, contracts worth billions. When the inhabitants of the house came back and found Rhodes sifting through the paperwork, they shot him. Terry Washington cleaned up the mess. 
he killed the two men that shot his commander, hid the documents, and finished destroying the command center, burning the house to the ground where he received the signature burn marks on his hands. He placed Nathan Rhodes' dog tag on one of the dead men and found an Iraqi doctor to nurse his supposedly dead commander back to life, then ultimately got Rhodes across the border and stateside, complete with a new identity. The documents that Rhodes and President Washington had secured were now hung on rolling easels, tagged and marked. No actual names were listed in the files, with the exception of one guy named Magnus Johnson, a Dutch bastard that was tied to a Canadian cannabis facility, Greenleaf Pharmaceutical. It made no sense to Rhodes at the time, but after he was officially back from the dead and tasked with a mission from his trusted friend, President Terence Washington, to find out what the organization was and who was actually a part of it, Magnus Johnson was the only clue he had. Getting the ball rolling, he tapped his most recent recruit, Serena Green, as the agent to attempt to infiltrate the secretive group. To say the ag operation, as of now, was a clusterfuck was an understatement. Magnus Johnson had found himself dead, courtesy of Beth Colby, who in turn inexplicably put a bullet in Serena Green before dropping off the map. The ag team did, however, manage to save an organization member from the wrath of Beth, intervening and faking his death. But the organization was so highly compartmentalized that his value was looking to be minimal at best. Their new organization guest was Glenn Halvers, and he had given them the names of a few other CEOs and organization board members. Though they were under surveillance by ag team members, nothing had come out of it to date, and Rhodes had serious doubt that Halvers was worth all the effort. Add to it that their most effective field operative, Serena Green, was shot up and working through a coma. Jack and the ag team was back to square one scouring the old files for anything that might give them a new lead. Jack stared at the assortment of files again, hoping by some miracle something would leap off the page and jog something loose. He hoped he might find some piece of information stored in his mind, which was the equivalent of the Library of Congress, but there was nothing there. He was at a standstill, which wasn't something he was accustomed to. But then again, he wasn't accustomed to any of the shit that had happened to him since he was a teenager. <laughs>